Hi, everyone. This is Carrie Bellog. I am the founder and chief groupie of Brand Groupies, where we obsess about your brands. Build your brand, rock your brand, and fans will come. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Groupies podcast, where we speak with inspiring brand leaders who are building and rocking brands. And we're continuing with our backstage series where we talk to the um, the real brand groupies who are really doing incredible things. And I am so excited to welcome uh, an amazing guest today, uh, Mark Beal. Welcome to the Thanks brand for having groupies me. This podcast. is great. I love, love the setup. <laughs> so, I love everything. This is wonderful. So we're going to have fun. So I'm so honored to have you here. Um, Mark is a Generation Z expert, author, professor, and keynote speaker. Before authoring his most recent book, Engaging Gen Z, Mark Beale served as a public relations practitioner and marketer for more than 25 years, developing and executing public relations campaigns for category-leading companies and brands around such major sports and entertainment platforms as the Olympic Games, Super Bowl, World Series, NCAA March Madness, U.S. Open Tennis, and the Rolling Stones, which I can't wait to hear more about. Um, he collaborates daily with Gen Z as a full-time professor of practice in public relations at, in the Uni Rutgers University School of Communication and Information. Mark's ongoing primary research of Gen Z has led to keynote speeches with the American Marketing Association Association of National Advertisers, as well as corporations, brands, sports leagues, and agencies. His previous book, Decoding Gen Z 101, 101 Lessons Generation Z Will Teach Corporate America, Marketers and Media, captured the attention of media, marketers, and employers nationwide as the oldest Gen Zers join the workforce and the entire Gen Z cohort becomes the primary focus of corporations and brands. Wow, Mark, thank you for being here. I'm so <laughs> impressed by your by your uh, experience and, and you. what you're doing. And, uh, you know, as a fellow uh, PR person, I'm just blown away because I, I understand how, you know, how this industry works, and yeah. so you're uh, you're really uh, doing some major things. So well, thanks well, again for well being here. then you can relate to your point. I mean, yeah. for many years during you know during my career and during your career, our focus were millennials, right? And mm -hmm. every brand that came to us, you know, how do we reach millennials? How do we engage millennials? And that was yeah. the case for 10, 12, 15 years. Sure. Um, and then it was around 2017, I left a course after teaching at Rutgers and I just had a light bulb moment. And light bulb moment was millennials have been the focus, but come 21, 2022, 25, Gen Z will become the focus. There'll be a mm -hmm. shift, a major shift. And we're seeing that now. We're starting to see that play out. I'm getting a lot more calls from professional sports sure. leagues, major brands, major corporations now saying, all right, who are Gen Z? What are they all about? What makes them tick? What are they doing on social media? And how do we engage them? And so mm -hmm. that was that moment in 2017. And so I just started immersing myself in Gen Z. I read every study, every survey, every report I could find from around the world. And then I just started conducting one-on-one -on -one interviews with Gen Zers from age 13 to age 24 at the time uh, from you know New Jersey to California. And that just began the process. And so that's the process every day. Every day I'm either conducting one-on-one -on -one interviews or I just fielded last week, my latest nationwide survey of Gen Zers. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just that research that informs 
the books and forms the, the speeches and forms articles, all those kinds of things. Wow, that's amazing because I remember at that time, you know, trying to reach that market, it was really, um, you know, it was it was a priority, but you know, you really have to dive in. And it was just, you know, you touch the surface, you're like, how am I going to reach them? How am I going to reach them? But what you took it to a whole other level. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a big, uh, I love research. Yeah. I love research, um, not just consumer research, but all research. I, you know, when we would get a new business opportunity, a chance to go and compete against other agencies and go try to win business from mm -hmm. major companies, I love that aspect. Um, you know, if we've got a RFP from a fast food company, I'd spend all weekend, every weekend for three or four weeks sitting in a, you know, in a fast food restaurant, just mm -hmm. understanding how consumers made decisions, talking to the managers there. And then I would bring all that research to the pitch. Mm -hmm. And usually it was that kind of research, that kind of depth of research that would be the difference between winning or losing a, an RFP. Right. Um, so I've always just loved uh, immersing myself and in, in conducting research. Very cool. So how did you get, um, how did you get started in the PR world? Um. Oh, <laughs> we're going to go back to there. No worries. So, <laughs> well, so I, so I graduated from Rutgers University. And when okay, I was at so. Rutgers, I was a journalism major. My focus was really, um, you know, content creation. So I was on the, the student radio station, WRSU, where I would call the football games and the basketball games. I uh, was a stringer here for the Asbury Park Press as, you know, I think my freshman, sophomore year, they would just send me out and cover sports events. But it was between my junior and senior year that summer and that was the summer for me, the summer of 88, big summer, um, really changed the trajectory of my career. And I uh, lived in New Brunswick at Rutgers and I'd hop on a train every morning, say 7 a.m. And I'd go work for a, a, a PR agency in the mm -hmm. city and go there from about 9 a.m. till 5, 530. And then I would sprint to 30 Rock and I was uh, helped produce one of the first ever sports radio shows, or one of the first major sports radio shows on WNBC, where mm. Howard Stern used to be. Uh, but we were we were nighttime; he was morning. And I'd produce that till, uh, or help produce that till midnight, and then run to Penn Station, get on a train, get back to New Brunswick, take a nap, and do it all over again the next wow. day. <laughs> but it was that summer where mm. I had a shift from you know I don't know if I want to be covering news, but I think mm. I want to be really telling stories, compelling mm. stories. And so it was that shift. So when I went back to school that fall, I, I said, you know, my focus really is going to be public relations mm. Mm -hmm. because we can really uncover stories and tell those stories through the media as opposed to reporting on stories. Sure. And um, so that was the switch. It was that internship. If I'd never taken that internship with that agency that summer, yeah. I would have stayed on the track of uh, wanting to be, you know, a radio host, a broadcaster, mm. a reporter, whatever. Um Graduated Rutgers, first job was at, at Fordham University in their athletic department in their kind of public relations area. And then a year later was at an agency in New York where I stayed for the next, you know, almost 30 years yeah. um, working across, um, you know, brands who were using, as you mentioned earlier, major sponsorships, whether in music mm -hmm. or sports, to engage their target audience. Sure, sure. It's great that you had that experience on the media mm -hmm. side. That's one thing I actually never did. And I always you know, tell people get the experience on the other side too, because yes. you know what they're, you know, what they're looking for, and you know, um, that. But that's cool that you figured that out early on. I bring that up it. all the time to my students. <laughs> I do because, yes. you know, going into public relations, especially public relations, mm -hmm. you really need to understand what. What what are the elements of a story, right? How do editorial decision makers, whether they're at a website, uh, a, a broadcast outlet, how do they make decisions on what gets on and what doesn't? And you really need to understand that because if you're going to get into PR, you're probably going to be pitching media yeah. and you need to understand how the media thinks and what they're looking for. Um, but in today's world, what I find interesting, 
more and more of my students now are content creators. So they may not be doing it for mm. a radio station mm. or a media company, but I have more students now who have their who produce their own podcasts, mm. who um, you know have their own platforms across Instagram or TikTok where they're constantly creating content. Mm. To the point where they're getting noticed by brands yes. and they're being asked to be ambassadors. Um, so that's something new that, of course, didn't exist back sure. in the 80s or 90s. Sure. And so I really love when I hear from my students who say, well, I'm actually doing this. And I say, that's real experience. That yes. goes on the resume because they're like, it, it does. Absolutely. I said, yeah, that's experience. You may have had the initiative to do it yourself and take it on, but. It's great experience, and it's, it's actually what agencies are looking for now. They're mm -hmm. looking for those entrepreneurs who, on their own, have become content creators. Yes, so. yes, definitely. And it's so um, interesting. I'd love for you to share how, uh, obviously, the PR world has changed so much. I mean, I remember, you know, back in the day, just doing a, you know, press release, <laughs> sending them out all day, sitting at the fax machine, and um, you know, knowing all the editors, like you knew everyone in your in your market, pretty much. You know, who you could call up, yep, you could yep. email, and, hey, Johnny. And now it's just so overwhelming. Um, what do you, like? What do you um, teach your your students like to, when they first get into PR? Like, what is I don't know the the best piece of advice? Because I remember in the past we would try to um, make you know foster relationships yeah. and things like that. But now there's just I mean you can't keep <laughs> up with all the relationships. So where do you focus? It, it, your great, you you raise a energy. great point. It's interesting, you know, as things like newspaper readership have gone down and even staffs and you know years ago USA Today you'd have writers and editors there yeah. you'd build relationships with so now got to they've, dinner, they've reduced the staff so yeah. much now. Totally. So you're absolutely right. Relationships are still huge. Mm -hmm. um, they may be different relationships. They may be a relationship now with a blogger or bloggers, mm -hmm. right? Uh, or podcast producers or podcast hosts. So maybe just a little bit different. But the one thing I do for my PR courses, and I'm really enjoying it this semester more than past semesters, but each week I bring in a former student who's now three, four, five, six years into their PR mm -hmm. career. And I do that because they were in the same seat and shoes where my students are now who are sophomore, junior, seniors, not that long ago. So they give a real perspective of PR today, you know, and PR to your point, as you know very well, you know, it's gone well beyond just the earned media, just the pitching media, just the editorial side. And now we're involved in everything from, you know, influencer marketing and sponsored content and broadcast integrations. And so... To your point, it's it's PR has expanded significantly. It's evolved significantly so that relationships and pitching are still critical. Mm -hmm. It's just now one dimension where when you and I were in PR, it was the only thing we did. I mean, it really was. It was. Pre, <laughs> I'm going to say 2000 something. Yes. We still were one dimensional. We wrote yeah. press releases. We made announcements and we pitched media. Mm -hmm. Now, if you walk into an agency today, a PR agency, yes. they're doing so many different things. Sure. And so I really try to give the students a full understanding of kind of what public relations is in 2021. Mm -hmm. And um, my former students who are now in PR backed that up. And they, like yesterday, student came in who gave us an entire, you know, lecture on just influencer marketing, the, the process of researching, analyzing, identifying, negotiating, and working with an influencer. An entire 60 minutes on that. <laughs> she could have went six weeks on it. Um, that's something we wouldn't even discuss back in the 90s. No. It didn't exist. No, I know. I remember um, Nike sent, we were part of an ambassador group in like 98. <laughs> that was Nike, one of the early ones. Nike sent me, uh, um, you know, new shoes to wear around. Yeah, like, yeah. and it was like, well, where were people going to see? Were people going to photograph yeah. me? You yeah. know, like it was kind True. of Good point. really weird at the, at the, at the time. Um, so that was all word of mouth then. So that was all word you of were, mouth. Yeah. That was all word of mouth. But you were actually um, one of the early, think about it. I mean, I'm serious. One of the early brand ambassadors. Because mm -hmm. those kinds of things really didn't start taking off till. Yeah. 
Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and everything else totally, came around. So totally. that, that's interesting. So it's uh, it's a developed, and also now you know we're seeing um, with social actually you know social media fueling PR and vice versa, and we're you know starting with we call it so PR, infusing social media and um, PR because like one you know like one fuels yes, the other. Yes, it does. It does. And you know we find that um, you need you know one to to really help the other. Well, I mean you know aside from bringing my former students in, I bring in leaders, marketing leaders from major corporations. So so far this semester, leaders from Amazon, from Bayer, from Bristol Myers, from Clorox company. Anyway. Many of them will say you know, exactly what you said. They'll say, we'll use our owned media channels with the end day, still sure. social media, but mm-hmm. our owned to perhaps launch an initiative, which will then fuel earn. And if we look at one simple example, two years ago, you know, IHOP announcing IHOB. Yes. Well, they did it on Twitter. They didn't put out a press release initially. Yes. They did it on Twitter. And that one tweet ignited this it's, media cycle yeah, of- I, I posted about that. Absolutely. <laughs> so but, they leverage, the, but, but they leveraged your point on media and specifically yes. you know, their social media channels where again, 15, 20 years prior, you didn't have those channels other than mm-hmm. a website sure. to do that. Now it's much more common. And the yes. thing with, as we know, those owned media channels, you own them. So it means yeah. you don't have to pitch an editor. You don't have to pay any, someone. You own it. You can decide what kind of content, when, sure. where, how you want to put it out. Yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> Um, and so tell us about your, your book that you wrote. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. So I've, so again, as a journalism major, I always wanted to write a mm-hmm. book. And, um, first book I actually wrote was back in 2017 or 18. And it was titled 101 Lessons They Never Taught You in College. Mm. And that book was inspired by all my students in 2013, 14, 15, 16, who after class by email, by phone yeah. would say, you know, how do I write my resume? How do I write a cover letter? How do I conduct a phone interview versus an in-person interview? What do I do when I leave the interview? And so I just converted all those questions into answers. 101 one-page answers. And so you can open that book, which I still, I gift my students every semester. I give that student to all my students. Mm -hmm. And um, even how do I dress for an interview? Things like that. And uh, so that was the first book. And then quickly after that, like, okay, there's a lot of good content here. Mm -hmm. So the Gen Z books really came from, again, this idea that, you know, maybe not in 2018, maybe not in 2019, but eventually when we get into 21, two, three, four, five, um, Gen Z, it will become the primary focus of most brands, Mm -hmm. not every brand, of course. And so I really just, again, it was a, I guess a two, three part process. First part was just read every piece of uh, content, study, survey from around the world. So I did that in 2017. Once I had that, I kind of narrowed it down to what are some key themes here? And then I just conducted one-on-one interviews by phone, in person, by Skype at the time, mm-hmm. um, with 13 to 24-year-olds. So high school freshmen through okay. those who had just and just questions. You know, what are you doing on your phone? What do you um, do you respond to advertising and marketing? If not, why not? Um, mm-hmm. And here was an interesting little note about the first book, or at least the first Gen Z book, Decoding Gen Z. I get through the first interview and they're throwing out a lot of terms and lexicon that I wasn't picking up on. Mm. So like spill the tea and all this other stuff, low key. And so I had to stop them. And I said, you've got to explain these terms. And then I started every interview after that. I said, before we get into the interview, give me a couple of Gen Z terms. And they couldn't oh, stop. And amazing. So, so yeah. So the front of decoding Gen Z is what I call yes. a, a dictionary or a glossary. And it's all these terms in alphabetical order. When we went ahead and then wrote, uh, engaging Gen Z in 2020, I said, we're going to update this. And I, there was even more terms. So the front of both books, there's this great Gen Z glossary that has every term alphabetized and oh explains gosh. what this lexicon and language is of, of Generation Z. That's that's so amazing. Yeah. 
No, it's so true because you think about, you know, people that are experienced in our field and you get to a certain level, but then, you know, even with social media, they're like, well, the, you know, get the younger kids to do it, but they don't have the experience. There's always that catch 22. So, um, it's always, um, you know, trying to figure out the best strategy, especially for, for social and PR, because you have the older generations that do have the know-how, the experience and, um, how to fuse that with the new generation. And I'm always trying to figure out how, what's the ideal team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, what's absolutely. the ideal team having, you know, those, the right people and what is, what are their roles going yeah. to be? Yeah. So I don't know. So I yeah. just think it's, it's so. Oh, it, we're, we're living in a fascinating me. time now at the workplace, to your point, whether at an agency, corporation, brand, doesn't matter, nonprofit. Mm -hmm. We've got potentially at any of those places, Gen Zers, millennials, Xers, and maybe even boomers mm. working together. And to your point, they all bring something to the table, Absolutely. right? So Gen Z is bringing a great knowledge and understanding of these new channels, which mm -hmm. can engage your target consumer. Again, even if you're a nonprofit, you have targets, right? You're looking for people to volunteer. Absolutely. You're looking for fundraisers. Mm -hmm. You're more experienced. I can say this because I'm a Gen Xer. You're more experienced. What do they bring? Well, one, they're bringing experience. They're bringing lessons learned. They're bringing a vast network, which the Gen Zers mm. probably don't have yet. They're bringing relationships to the table. They're bringing, to your point, things that have gone well, things that have not gone well, and they can work together. So I really do believe we're at a point where, where everyone is bringing value. Everyone can learn from each other. Um, I do recommend, <clears throat> and you raise a good point on this, if a brand is starting to focus more and more on Gen Z, where they're a primary audience or, or one of their audiences, you know, if you're a 30, 40, 50 year old marketer, and I can say this, don't think you know what works best on TikTok or what works best on Instagram. Don't presume, assume, hypothesize. Just don't do it. It's not going to work. <laughs> bring in what I call your CEOs. Bring in your summer interns who are at college or bring in the most recent uh, hires who just graduated in the class of 2021 who actually know this stuff. Now, to your point, there may be certain things they don't know. Um, not about the platforms, but about maybe rules and regs and just different things. Strategy. Strategy, exactly. Yeah, but together, you can work together on this. But I think that's, I, I bring this up when I deliver my keynote speeches. And, um, you know, I think, I think about, I talk about Tom Hanks when he was in big. Mm -hmm. When Tom Hanks was an adult and then he became a 10, yeah, he became a 10 or 11 year old, right? Yes. He knew more about those toys than any of those 30, 40, 50 year old markers around the table. Why? Because he was a kid. Mm -hmm. So yes. again, if you're going to try to engage 20-somethings, 21-somethings on TikTok, I hate to say it, but as a 30, 40-year-old, you don't, you don't know what's best. Yeah. Instead, collaborate with, again, your interns, your sure. recent executives, and they're going to know. That's why brands like Wendy's do really, really well. Wendy's empowers their youngest employees to really own and run their social media channels. And it's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why a brand like Wendy's is loved by Gen Z because their social media is just timely. It's relevant. Yeah, they, they use the Gen it. Z lexicon. They get it. As opposed to, again, old executives like me saying, no, I'm in charge of the social media. I know what's best. No, you don't. If, again, if yeah. if you're trying to engage Gen Z, if you're trying to totally. engage Gen Xers, go yeah. at it. Yes, go at it. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. It's always uh, it's always fascinating. So I know you're doing a lot of keynotes. You said you're 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 starting to travel next week. Yep. What is um, you know, what's your superpower? Like what sets you apart that makes you the guy that, you know, they need to have speak. at Oh, I love that. What's my superpower? <laughs> I love that. Um, 
Well, I think, and again, as you mentioned earlier, I've spoken to, you know, even right here, I was the keynote speaker for the New Jersey Digital Marketing Conference two years ago in Asbury Park. Uh, They had me kick off the whole conference about Gen Z during the World Series in October between games five and six or six and seven. They had me, uh, Major League Baseball had me deliver a speech to all 400 plus executives at all 30 teams. And so I think the superpowers, maybe two things, and I don't know how super they are. (laughs) One is just, again, that research informing Mm -hmm. the insights, the information, right? So I'm not just making it up. I'm not making it up. I'm I'm delving deep. I'm interviewing. I'm surveying. I'm having fresh data. So when I present next week in Minneapolis at the uh, Midwest Pop Culture Conference, which is now it's 50 something here, I just fielded last week my latest nationwide survey. So I'm going to all that fresh data I'm going to share with the audience. Um, And then the second thing is I just presented, I think, in a way that's got a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement. Um, Most of my speeches, there's usually a survey done after, whether by the organization um, or some other entity. And I love getting those results. One, because it informs how can I do better? Mm -hmm. How can I evolve this? But also gives you a pretty good uh, measure of um, did they like what you say? Did they like your energy? Did they like your enthusiasm? And so those scores are usually high. So I think it's a combination of just research, 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 and then delivered in a way that's passion. Mm. You have if yes. I if I deliver that research in a humdrum way, it doesn't matter what the research says. They're going to no. be bored and they're going to click off and they're going to move on. Yes. So part of that is again passion, enthusiasm, energy, excitement. Yes. And get sure. them excited in it. So yeah. I think it's a combination. That's that's really cool. <clears throat> um and so I know um You've worked with such major brands. I want to hear about your uh, project with the Rolling Stones. Sure, of course, you know, of course, absolutely. Music. Yeah, so absolutely. I know you did the Super Bowl. Like, yeah. what were some of the highlights of working with those major, major global brands and any activations that yeah. really, you know, stuck in in your um, career? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first, first of all, the first thing is just the idea to be able to have the chance to win the opportunity to work with. Taco Bell, Coca-Cola, Capital One, just that opportunity to be able to then have that opportunity and collaborate with leading marketers and public relations executives from those brands. It's just, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. And it's something I'll never take for granted. But then sometimes those lead to really, you know, once in a lifetime kind of thing. So for um, AmeriQuest Mortgage Company, you know, they, in a span of two or three years, they became a sponsor of the NFL. So I was able to work on um, Paul McCartney. Uh, they sponsored not just the NFL, but the halftime show at the Super Bowl. So awesome. led the PR around Paul McCartney, halftime show, Super Bowl with AmeriQuest. Then a year later, they called and said, hey, we're going to be the title sponsor of the Rolling Stones' Bigger Bang Tour, which was 05, oh, 06, 07, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> here was the cool thing about yeah. that one. So this is a story that I bring up to my students a lot and they love. Well, the Rolling Stones are very businesslike, meaning, yes, you're sponsoring their tour, but it's not like they're going to go do morning shows for you, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're going to go play their concerts totally. and, and all that. So you have to create something around that. So we went in and just said, you know, there's got to be a celeb of some sort who's not just loves music, but really loves sure. music. And we ended up engaging Kevin Bacon. Okay. And Kevin Bacon, aside from acting, he's got his own band called the Bacon Brothers. Music is his first love. Yeah. And so he was all on board to kind of be our spokesperson representing my client, okay. but talking about the tour and talk. And so we created a whole promotion around that where you would uh, consumers got the chance to go to the final stop of the tour at Madison Square Garden, join Kevin Bacon, go backstage before the concert, sit with Kevin Bacon during the concert. So, fun. so that was really cool. And I'll give you one. I, I always talk about Kevin Bacon. One, first of all, great, great, great person. Uh. <clears throat> you being in PR would appreciate this. So we kick off our campaign with a uh, satellite media tour, right? So conducting yeah. TV interviews across the country. Yes. It's 3 a.m. in LA because it was six back here. 
So 3 a.m., he shows up by himself, no entourage, to the studio, just like this. We do 65 back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back interviews. He took one five-minute bathroom break. He went from 3 a.m. to noon. Never loved it. Never complained. Got in his car. A few weeks later, we saw him in New York. It was amazing. And he wow. was just, and he did everyone delivered those messages. As you know, every interview, you're basically trying to deliver those same messages. Um, so that's, I'll give you one more too, real quick, because the students love this. Even the Gen Z students yeah. love this. Um, a few years back, um, Frisky's, which is owned by Purina, came to us and said, hey, our social media companies de- developed this pretty cool content series, video shorts. How would you make it newsworthy? And so the video content series was simply just a um, cat, no name cat in a room like this with a box and a string. String was lifted up, box was up, and there was a game show voice on the back end, will Kitty play with it? And it was like a pencil. And they thought that was newsworthy. Again, you know, marketers sometimes who are not into PR, they may think that. And so I, just very frank, said, it's not newsworthy. There's nothing newsworthy here. However, we have an idea. Take out no name cat. Let's put in grumpy cat. What's a grumpy cat? most famous cat at the time mm-hmm. on the internet. You know, millions of followers here, millions of followers. Before I went into that pitch with my team, I'd already done my homework. I'd already researched, does Grumpy Cat have an agent? Yes. Let me speak to that agent. Spoke to the agent. Asked two or three simple questions. One, does Grumpy Cat have a pet food deal? No. Would you like a pet food deal? Yes. If, I can, if we start working with this brand, would you like to work with them? Yes. Anyway, Grumpy Cat became the face of Friskies for the next six, seven years. Wow. On pack, in movies, in commercials, <laughs> in content, all because of, again, just a, an idea that kind of came to be. And um, again, Grumpy Cat became the face the of that face. brand for, for five, that six years. Brilliant. Yeah, So wow. that's always that's a so fun cool. one too that the stu- that even today's students love because they, they, they actually know who Grumpy Cat is. That is so, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and so with your, I, w- I want to hear about your teaching, um, you know, PR and, and really about um, teaching uh, the the art of personal branding to ah, your yes. students, and and do you ah, give yes. any advice as far as you know how to really take care of their image and set themselves up for? Yeah, it's funny you say this. So as I was as we were waiting to start, I just emailed a student about the personal brand assignment, which we have in my four hundred level marketing class. It's one of the assignments. They they have a number of assignments. There's two at the end though. One is how do you market your brand? What is your brand? Do you even know you have a personal brand? And the others, we give them a real world client and they develop a campaign. So I was just emailing one of my students about uh, the personal brand marketing assignment. And to your point, students usually come back and say, wow, so glad you gave me this one. I didn't even know I was a brand. And when I tell my students, is, mm-hmm. you're a brand just like LeBron James is a brand, just like Beyonce's a brand. You are a brand. You may not know yes. it. You may not realize it, but you are. And then the second part of that is you have you know unique elements about your brand that can be a point of difference, especially as you go out and market yourself and get a job. So whether that's, I've had students who were black belts. I said, you're a black belt now? Yeah. I said, no, that's huge. How many black belts are interviewing for this job? Yeah, how exactly. How many black belts are interviewing for this job at this age? None. You're it. And what does black belt stand for? Commitment, excellence, right? Perseverance, dedication. dedication. Yes. I'll hire a black belt in a second. Really? You sure? I had another student in the same class and we did mock interviews. And um, basically, they just handed me their resume before they kind of walked in this door and we did a mock interview. So I look at a resume real quick and all the way on the bottom in like, and I'm exaggerating, five point font. I want a national marketing competition hosted by Vans, the sneaker company Mm -hmm. in the tiniest little font. (laughs) She comes in, I interview her and I say, hey, by the way, 
You won this competition? Yeah, I beat out 5,000 students. You beat out, this needs to be in 50.5 yes. as the first thing. <laughs> yes. yes. And uh, we switched that. And I said, that's your, think about that. You beat out, I don't care whether it was 100 students, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000. You won this national competition marketing. You want to go into marketing. There's your, there's your proof point there. I don't need to see exactly, anything else. Exactly. And she's like, really? You think so? No. What do you mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think for all of us, even yes. you know, us who've been in the business, our brand's always evolving. Yes, right? for but sure. But we've got these elements of our brand that sometimes because I think we accomplished it or because we, and this isn't me, but we have, you know, I can speak four languages. I can't. But a student's can. <laughs> yes. Well, just because I do it. It's almost like you put your ego aside and say, well, it's not that big a deal. I can do it. Yeah. yeah. But not too many others can. Exactly. And so you need to bring those points up when you're presenting your brand. Whether And I say whether that's in an elevator pitch or whether that's in a one to two, three hour interview, you need to somehow get all that out. And that's yeah. all about the brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And always doing that with a... Um you know, with a PR mindset, always thinking about what's going to stand out. What are you going to put in the first sentence of that press release, even though, you know, it's old school. Um, we do something called the brand pillars where we, you know, help um, people really narrow down their core brand pillars. And one of the columns is your wow factor. Yeah. And they don't even think yeah. about that. It's always, you know, at the end, like, it's so hard to promote myself. You yeah. know what it is? It is. You, need, it you is. know, you can ask your But we all, people. to your point, I love that you're saying, we all have a wow fa factor or factors. Sure. But again, because I think we did it, it's like, well, it can't be that big. I did. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm making this up. I biked across America. Yeah. Yeah, but that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, it, and, it, and it's not just the biking, but what went into the biking, right? That yep. commitment, that pursuit. <laughs> um, and we all have that, whether you're 50-something or whether you're 18, 19, 20, yep. 21. We totally. all have that. Yes. We just kind of got to bring it out. So I love when a student, and I do this probably three, four, five times a day, I'll set up what I call career strategy sessions with my students. And I'll get their first version of the resume and I'll look at it and I'll say, all right, we need to hop on Zoom for like an hour and we need to, let's really break this open. And there's got to be other things. And, and eventually in the hour, we come to learn that, yeah, there's a lot of other things they accomplished, that, but they just didn't think it was worth putting on a resume. Sure. Yeah. Or as I said earlier, I have a student actually who lives very close to here who I just, uh, we did this call and she said a year ago, I launched my own podcast network. I said, whoa, 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 your own podcast network? What do you mean? Yeah, I have four or five different podcasts. That's not even You're on your like, resume. I know. Well, it's not. I didn't do it for someone. I did. Yeah, that's that. Go, that's the first thing on the resume. First thing. You launched a podcast network as a junior in college. And is it still going on? Yes, yeah, still going on. There you go. Marketers want that. They want know. that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I have one more question about your um, your creative inspiration, because I feel like you are so lucky that you can <laughs> tap into your students Every day, you know, for what's going on, you know, it's inspiring. But a lot of people are in, you know, in the field yeah. or go to, you know, they're at their desk. They're just in it. How do you suggest they find creative inspiration to stay on the cutting edge? Like, you know, know what the trends are. I, I find I, it to be a challenge. Yeah, I, you know, no, I agree. There's so much out there. No matter um, how big or small the, we'll just call it the agency you work for, the firm mm -hmm. you work for, the organization. Again, a nonprofit, whatever. There are always local high school, college, community college students in the area who are looking for the opportunity to share mm -hmm. their knowledge, looking for that experience. So at a national level, you know, Target in 2018 launched their first ever Gen Z incubator. Basically, it's collaboration with 100 plus Gen Zers across America to inform content, uh, community programs, products, uh, everything. Well, we could all do that. We can do that at the local level. Sure. We all live somewhere near a high school or college. 
even in this area, there's, you know, um, at Wall High School is where they have the Entrepreneur Academy, the Business Academy. Those students are eager to work with, with you know, agencies and, and others and share their insights. So if it's around Gen Z, just because we're talking about yes. Gen Z, um, and you're looking for that, you don't have to really look that far. I um, Every semester, I partner hundreds of my students with agencies who are just looking for that um, for that insight for, you know, it may be a traditional internship role. It may not be, it may be more of a think tank or an incubator. Um, with Gen Z, all you have to do is just ask, say, Hey, do you want to? No. Yes. Count me in. I'll do it. What let's do it. Cause again, for them, they see it as a win-win. They're giving you insights and information, but it's now experience on their resume. It's something they can talk mm -hmm. about as part of their personal brand. So, um, honestly, all you have to do is, you know, check in if you can get a connection out of college, like yeah, me or somewhere advice. else, um, there's students who are just jumping at the chance to participate. That's, that's great advice. And and um, as far as advice for uh, us, you know, branders and agency owners, um, where should we be focusing our our energy? What's next in the next like you know year, two years? Well, I you know, and I and not just world. not just Gen Z, but we'll call it marketing world. Yes, even marketing though I'll, world. I think a couple of things. I I say this almost every day in my courses, which I said last night. Coming out of 2020, coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the Black Lives Matter mm -hmm. awakening, purpose, purpose, purpose. Mm -hmm. Yes, Gen Z is the purpose generation, but brands, and I'm seeing it now every day. Even if you create a fun campaign, a humorous campaign, a a clever campaign. I think you still have to have a purposeful element. So the idea of prioritizing purpose over profits, mm. you know, moving forward, brands that are going to win over lovers of the brand are those that aren't just selling widgets, that aren't just making transactions. They're going to have a higher purpose. Mm. Um, and I'm seeing more and more brands now creating campaigns that are more purpose focused than just here's my product, buy it. So I think purpose is a big one. I think the other one, as we've talked about, is just the channels are evolving. Mm -hmm. um, today, the news came out that TikTok is now up to a billion monthly users. Mm -hmm. TikTok, it's not going away. No. <laughs> it's not going away. No. And again, TikTok is not right for every brand. Totally. We know that. But it is a channel that at least this generation is gravitating towards. Um, they're seeking content, news, information, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff on TikTok. Um, and then the other one with um, Gen Z, which might surprise some people, but at the end of the day, YouTube is their number one channel for video content. It's also mm -hmm. their number one channel for what they call news and information. So I talk a lot about the big three with uh, Gen Z. It's YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. But I think as some brands are doing now, we have to look at other channels, so Twitch, Discord. Mm -hmm. I'm a huge fan of Discord. Discord so mm -hmm. it's kind of that, what I call, it's kind of a new media mix. Again, as you're starting to look at the next generation and how to market to the next generation, um, that media mix is different because, you know, they're sure. not watching Good Morning America. They're no. not reading a newspaper. You're right. So, That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so our uh, last question, the Brand Griffey's Challenge. Oh. Mark Beal, <laughs> <laughs> a song um, you know, for your personal brand, um, what might capture your personal wow. brand? Well, I, I have two in mind because I am an old school 70s rock yes. guy. Um, and I'm a huge, huge Tom Petty fan. In fact, uh, there's a there's a uh, new film coming out late in October to celebrate his 70th birthday. Oh. Um, and I don't you know, you know, he had this song that everyone knows, but, you know, I won't back down. Mm -hmm. But I think the idea was they're like, you know, I'll take on any challenge. I'm excited to take on challenges. I want to, I want to compete against the best um, and all those things. And I think especially during my agency years, when you got the chance to compete against bigger agencies, you know, there was no backing down. It was like, mm -hmm. we're going to figure out a way to win this thing. Absolutely. Um, so that's one. And then one more uh, today, I, I now listen to a 
lot of country. In fact, I listen to almost all country now, all the time. Um, an old Dominion's a band that I love. And they've got a song, Make It Sweet, which is all about, you know, life is short, make it sweet. Mm. Um, and it's really about, you know, you know, just live life to the fullest, whether it's work, play, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life is short, make it sweet. Like go out yeah. there every day and do something that, pursue that passion. I tell my students, pursue your passion, do it. So hopefully those are two good answers. No, that's wonderful, Mark. Well, thank you so much. I want to um, uh, plug your website and your social Yeah, absolutely. So my website is uh, markbealspeaks.com. And on that site is everything from my Gen Z interviews, my Gen Z speeches, my books, my insights and information. So that's really kind of the one spot. And then uh, my handle on Twitter and on Instagram is at PR. Um, okay. So you can you can find me those. Awesome, places. and your books are on Amazon. All my books are on Amazon. Okay. Decoding Gen Z and Engaging Gen Z are the two Gen Z books, the most recent books. Okay. And I think uh, even though it's not going to happen in the next year or two, but the next book at some point will be Gen Alpha. Um, <laughs> I have six, believe it or not, grandkids, yes. six. Oh, and they're all alpha. They're all alpha because they're ages five through a couple oh of my months. Goodness. And so one day they will be my focus group for my Gen Alpha book. But that's probably going to be that's another. Amazing. That's probably going to be another five plus okay. years. Okay, amazing. Well, Mark, it's been. <laughs> such a pleasure thank, thank you. you for your time you. and stopping by you know on your journey to all of these speaking engagements and all of the exciting things you're, you're doing so we really appreciate it i love it, it. thanks for having so, me this was great appreciate thank it very you much so much thank you